This podcast is brought to you by the ATMS Natural Medicine Week. For more information of events and offers, go to naturalmedicineweek.com.au. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line today is Carla Wren, who's an integrative naturopath, herbalist and homeopath, consulting since 2001 after graduating with a Bachelor of Health Science in Naturopathy. Carla is a passionate learner, completing postgraduate studies in integrative oncology, autoimmune diseases and functional medicine. As the owner of Peninsula Herbal Dispensary and Naturopathic Clinic, Carla works with a team of 10 who love providing acute care naturopathy and allied health consultations for the Mornington Peninsula community. Carla's time is spent consulting in the area of complex and chronic diseases, especially oncology. Recently, Carla has traveled Australia, training over 100 practitioners in her course, Vitae Mosaic, Naturopathic Functional Medicine, a unique and holistic framework for practitioners to more confidently and effectively treat complex cases and manage chronic diseases. Welcome to FX Medicine, Carla. How are you? Great. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for that introduction. Now, that was a tongue tie, but I guess let's start at the beginning. What are you mainly passionate about? Okay, I'm super passionate about changing the face of chronic disease in Australia. I just think the stats on the kind of conditions that patients are uh, experiencing, and not even patients, I guess Australians as a whole, um, are becoming more and more complex. You know, the stats are suggesting that people are dying of multiple, um, not even just one chronic disease. And so many of those things are preventable. If you have a system like we have or a strategies like we have as naturopaths and integrative practitioners to really help these patients understand their health and change their health before it gets to that serious stage. Okay, but how can functional medicine principles and naturopathic philosophy revolutionise these complex chronic conditions? Look, I think that the um, model that we learn as a naturopath at college, certainly how I learned it, um, offers great, great ways that we can work with these patients. But as I was going through my practice, I began to see that these sicker and sicker patients required more skills than perhaps what I'd learned in college uh, as a way to analyze and really break down what was going on with their whole system rather than just looking at the symptoms. And I think functional medicine offers a really good model that we can better help these patients with their complex conditions. Can you give us a comparison and contrast of what is functional medicine, what are functional medicine principles and uh, against the naturopathic philosophy? Sure. I think this is a really good thing to, to sort out because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what functional medicine is. I want to read you the definition so we can be really clear on what it is. Does that sound all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the definition of functional medicine is a model um, that's individualized and patient-centered. It's a science-based approach that empowers patients and practitioners to work together to address the underlying causes of disease and promote optimal wellness. It retire, uh, relies on a detailed understanding of each patient's genetic, biochemical, lifestyle factors and leverages this data to direct personalised treatment plans that lead to improved patient outcomes. So by addressing the root causes rather than the symptoms, practitioners can become orientated to identify the complexity of disease and they may find one condition has many different causes and likewise one cause may 
result in many different conditions. And as a result, functional medicine treatment targets the specific manifestations of a disease in each individual. So it sounds really naturopathic, and I think that's something um, that I like about it. But I think the difference, if we really want to compare and contrast, is as naturopaths, we have great philosophies. We have great herbs. We have great understanding of nutrition. We have great dietary tools. But sometimes I think what we lack is a really good system to analyze how we're going to utilize those tools in the patient. And that's where I think functional medicine steps in. I really love um, Dr. Mark Hyman and he has a cool definition and he says um, it's a difference of thinking. Functional medicine is not a new modality. It's not a new specialty. It's not a new technique and it's not about testing. It's not about supplements. It's really a new way of thinking about the puzzle of chronic disease and how we get sick and how we get well. And that idea really inspires me because I see so many patients who are multifaceted and polypharmacy, desperate, chronically ill. And if we don't know how to break apart that case, it's very hard to know which of our naturopathic tools we should use to actually treat the cause and not get stuck in the cycle of symptom prescribing, which I think is happening too much in Australia. Yeah. I I think, you know, part of the whole chronic disease epidemic, including the obesities, the cancers and things like that, I guess I'm sort of favouring the cardiovascular or cardiometabolic sort of mm. diseases here is yep. um, the, the word convenience. Medicine has yeah. been become convenient. Pills have become convenient, just like going to the supermarket has become convenient rather than growing our own vegetables. Um, this whole word of convenience is a real dangerous one. <laughs> and I think there's also that difference with population versus personalised medicine. Mm. So is this where you employ this naturopathic medicine philosophy about looking for the patient? Yeah, definitely. And I think having a system around how to do that, because I think it can be very overwhelming when a patient comes in, particularly, um, you know, when you're a new graduate. And I've spent a lot of time with a lot of practice around Australia now talking about this very topic. And um, new graduates are seeing that in, and we might all remember this stage, you know, you get a cardiovascular patient and they might present with blood pressure and at college, uh, elevated blood pressure and, and college, they give you a great way to analyze this case, you know, um, how are we going to, what are we going to prescribe for them? But when the patient comes with elevated cholesterol, blood pressure, menopause, obesity, depression, type 2 diabetes, we don't necessarily have a system of how we're going to figure out what's going on because you can't just prescribe something for every one of those diagnoses, mm. which I think is sometimes what patients are looking for and what practitioners are doing. And I think that the, the skill is to be able to work out where the systems are going wrong across that whole yes. case. So we can just prescribe, my rule is three or less supplements, um, but really well chosen for the right period of time, move on to something else. David Castellane, he's actually written some research and it's looking at naturopathic treatment truly personalized. And what he was saying was you can have exactly the same condition in three different patients, let's say, and the treatment can be maybe not totally and utterly different, but it can be vastly different. And the thing is that you are truly personalizing your treatment regime or regimen for that particular presentation in that particular patient. So it goes against the grain of population medicine. And I guess the sort of um, the thing is, we have lost that personalization of medicine in the medical system that we have now. We just haven't got the time. Yes. 
I would totally agree. And I think that the, the personalization and the idea, you know, if you look at just one illness, say depression, I think, you know, we could yes. all come up with at least 10 causes of, of the reason that that patient is experiencing a group of symptoms that someone has classified, diagnosed as depression. Um, and, you know, maybe it's a symptom of the initial, um, of the initial cause rather than the, the main condition. You know, and I think it's trying to pull the case apart and understand that, um, where I feel like functional medicine adds, uh, to what we can do as naturopaths. Do you find that you get a certain type of patient that is more drawn towards your naturopathic style of functional medicine? Mm, yes. I made a, um, a decision, uh, maybe an accidental decision, <laughs> a number of years ago when I was working at the dispensary before I owned it, I worked with a lovely practitioner called Karen Jackson and um, Karen started to call me the scientific one and I wrote on my business cards, I love the complex cases. And I don't know if that's something that I would recommend to people because qu- very quickly I built a reputation of um, loving the complex cases yeah. and I think they came from everywhere um, and I really needed a then a good system to be able to work with those cases because they are certainly becoming more and more complex than what I had ever imagined was possible. So when you speak about a system, how does that fit into a personalised medicine sort of a style of, yeah. of treatment? Yeah, so basically um, the system that I used, you know, I, I coined Vita Mosaic and I can tell you a bit about that. But, yes, yes. Um, looking, looking at um, using some tools to make sure that we catch the whole patient's story. So I guess that's where that Vitae word comes in. You know, Vitae can be defined as um, the course of one's life. And then mosaic is, you know, a a picture or a pattern, you know, all the little tile pieces. And I wanted to pull them all together. I'm a real visual person. So I guess when I use the word system, what I'm talking about is how can we capture as much information about a person's whole life? So that means it's very personalized because I'm asking questions, not just about what's happening to them now, but going back and back further. And, you know, we use a timeline. So um, some colleges I found around Australia seem to be teaching about timelines, but I certainly didn't learn about it when I studied. So, you know, using a really good timeline as a tool um, to be able to break down the case and then using um, an approach where we look at the systems that are affected in the patient rather than just individual symptoms um, gives us this really great way to develop a more personalised, holistic understanding, still using our naturopathic language um, to, to better break apart the case. Am I picking up that you've always been this sort of systems approached mentality when you were a child? Like what's led you to become this way? Uh, I think I'm a visual person. So yeah. I was imagining these cases like pieces and I was looking for the missing picture and I guess that's where the idea of mosaic came in. But, you know, I had been consulting um, at the time probably for about mm, 13, 14 years and I, I thought, you know, these patients that I'm seeing and also their families are um, accessing great standard healthcare. Um, they're even seeing other complementary medicine practitioners, but they're actually getting sicker. Um, I saw this in my family as well. You know, my dad has a typical complex case and he wasn't getting better. His medication was continually being increased. So I kind of thought, how am I going to learn more about how I can help these patients? And I found um, I was reading information as we do go home after we've seen the patient and just start reading anything you can. And I was um, reading things from practitioners like Dr. Mark Hyman and Dr. Lisa Ashler and Dr. Amy Myers. 
Um, there's a naturopathic doctor called Dr. Christy Hughes, Joe Pizzono, who wrote yeah. that great book that we had at college. Yes. Um, and what they were talking about was identifying the same chronic disease crisis that I was seeing, but they had a really powerful solution that made sense to me, and they were all the graduates from the Institute of Functional Medicine. So in 2015, off I go to Atlanta, Georgia, to try and learn more about this idea of how I can um, utilize functional medicine to help my really sick patients. Carly, you said earlier that you wrote on your card, I love complex cases. There's got to be that initial period where you went, oh, hell. <laughs> and then slowly you garner the expertise and the confidence to say, yep, I can handle that. No worries. What inspired you to go for the more complex cases? Yes, I thought about this for a long time and what made me do it. I think with this group of patients, the key thing that all of us can do um, as people and practitioners ourselves is um, inspire some kind of hope in this patient. And maybe you don't solve the case or crack the case or find all the pieces in the initial consultation. But I think whether you spend 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half with someone, you can learn a lot about what's going on. And if you can capture what their goals are and offer a direction. It even may be, I'm going to do some research for you and I'm going to get back to you in the next 48 hours. You're giving someone hope because so many of these patients have been to so many places where in seven minutes, they don't feel like they're going to get better, that someone's doing any work for them, that there's any hope. And so I think even if you're just starting out, looking at ways that you can give your patients hope. And, and I guess that's what I just tried to do. I, you know, put myself together and thought, right, I'm going to do this and, and give it a go. And someone has to uh, give some of these patients a bit of hope. So it was me that did it from the beginning, I guess. And in your experience, what type of patients benefit most from your model of naturopathic functional medicine? Well, maybe I can share two of my patients with you. Does that sound all right? Yeah. You can see the kind of patients I'm working with. Yeah. So the first one is a female and she's 45 years old and on four prescription medications. She has Hashimoto's, type 2 diabetes, depression, chronic fatigue syndrome, addiction, anxiety, and menopause. But the real kicker, like the real reason and motivation for her to come in is that her husband said, I can't do this anymore. Um, I just can't deal with how sick you are and I want out. And, um, you know, these patients are really desperate. And I think that case is very overwhelming because there's so many things going on. Um, we need to break it apart. You know, the next patient I thought I'd mention was um, a female. She's 30. She presented with 10 out of 10 joint pain, viral antibodies for everything, anxiety, insomnia, multiple food intolerances. She'd had recurrent mold exposure. Um, I thought, you know, maybe rheumatoid factor um, might be positive. It's not. It's negative. And so I wondered if she had SIRS, we went on and did some testing. She already seen heaps of practitioners, specialists, um, you know, and the HLA, DQDR pathology testing that I did showed she had Lyme-like illness. And so these patients are really desperate people, really sick people who haven't found someone who has given that hope or has been willing to put the work in, break their case apart. Um, and I find cases like this are really motivating for me to do the best and find out the most I can and uh, really be able to help them. Obviously, you can go down so many rabbit holes, but I'm glad there's somebody like you that is willing to go down those rabbit holes to figure out. Like you must have a totally obsessive personality. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I've heard you mention invisible illness. Can you tell us more about this? 
Yeah, so I meet many people with invisible illnesses uh, in the complex casework that I do. And I guess it's the type of illness where um, the patient has many symptoms, but no one's been able to find a clear diagnosis, primarily because they've been told time and time again their pathology results are fine and they look well, um, but the patients don't feel well. Um, sometimes they feel like no one believes them. And with that lack of diagnosis, um, but the symptoms still stacking up, their health is declining. And I feel these patients really benefit from naturopathic skills and functional medicine system put together because we can find all those different pieces, all those clues, and really look at the blood tests and, and maybe order some different pathology tests to understand how they got sick and how they get well. In this, in this case, I find that the timeline is a really good tool to be able to determine you know, when things changed and what made them worse and what made them better and maybe even way back when they were conceived, what was the health of their mother and, you know, looking at all the way through their childhood, what what's going on to lead to this group of symptoms that no one can, you know, name and find a cause for. And the perfect diagnosis, of course, is made over time. That's an accepted thing. The problem mm. with the current medical system is they don't have time. It's in and out, mm. and, you know. Get the treatment, yeah. get the pill. What about other patients that you like to work with, Carla? So um, oncology patients are a big part of my practice. Um, I love supporting them through their treatment, wherever they are in their journey. Um, I just love the amount of evidence that's out there now to show how we can support these patients. Um, and I find the area of practice really rewarding. It's another area that um, I am trying to encourage the group of practitioners that I liaise with to step into because I think these are amazing patients to work with. Um, I've had this great support of some oncologists McGrath breast nurses, breast care nurses who are just angels of people. Um, and I've been able to talk at, you know, Breast Cancer Network Australia's Metastatic Breast Cancer Conference. And I'm seeing that there's a really great interest in what complementary medicine can offer um, oncology patients. Now, I'm doing um, the 12-month program um, and I love everything that Lise has to say, so I'm loving hearing what's new for her. She was a real inspiration for me to get into the area of integrative oncology. What is it about these practitioner heroes that you've met, Lise, Mark Hyman, um, Joe Pizzorno, Amy Myers, what is it about these practitioners that make them stand out to you? Is it just that they stand up to be heard or is there something different about the way that they practice? I think that they're using functional medicine. You know, most of those practitioners have been, that you mentioned, have been to IFM. Uh, and I think that they're also standing up for what they believe in and um, are really open with their um, with their knowledge and, and interest in sharing what they've learned, which is, I think, a key skill if we're going to, you know, combat what I would like to think of as a chronic disease crisis uh, in Australia and perhaps um, in lots of other parts of the world, we have to be able to stand up as practitioners and talk about our successes and our failures and our learnings from them so we can all grow together to be able to help these people better. Well, you mentioned inter-referral in a sort of multidisciplinary collaboration to help patient care. Um, what yeah. have you learned from the you know 125 practitioners or so that you've now trained across Australia? Um, I've learned we're an amazing bunch of people. Mm -hmm. um, I've met loads of new graduates. 
um, that are really struggling with the disparity between what college has taught them yep. um, and the kind of patients they've seen in clinics. So they've been amazing uh, practitioners to meet and work with. Um, and I've met a lot of really successful business owners. Um, often they're actually being young mums, young women like myself, um, who have really busy clinics and are struggling with running the clinics in the process of day-to-day. So I think when we can collaborate and put our minds together and, and you know, pair up, I'm a big fan of um, Tammy Guest and what she's doing with the Naturopreneur Hub. So when we can do these things together, uh, we can really start to grow. There's a piece that I wrote when I was trying to inspire the students that I've been working with. Can I read it to you? Mm, please do. Yeah. So this is why I think we are the practitioners to help in this crisis. And I think um, our knowledge diversity is second to none. And we're problem solvers. We know so much pathophysiology and cellular biochemistry, systems biology. We're scientists, we're researchers, and we know how to find out. And we individualize and we understand and we look for the cause and we have time to listen. And I think we put the care back into healthcare. And I think we do so much of this with um, without providing just symptom relief. We also help to address the cause and do no harm. And I think we bring hope. And, you know, those are pretty amazing things that we can do as a practitioner in one consultation. So I'm you know, kind of urging and encouraging these uh, particular graduates to step up into this place and just give it a go with these complex cases. Do you find a difference in rural versus urban practices as you move around the country? Yes. I'm very um, strong on the idea that we need to, um, you know, support uh, and encourage those practitioners in rural areas because I do find they have very busy, big practices. Yeah. You know, if I was going to look to set up another clinic um, and another version of, of my peninsula herbal dispensary, it certainly would be in a rural area. Um, you know, I can think of there's a, an amazing practitioner uh, called Christy. Her um, details are under Aussie Naturopathy Trades Under, and she's going out to some really rural areas. There's a great practitioner, Carly Raven. She is in Wangaratta. You know, these kind of areas uh, have, you know, many, many, many sick people um, and just perhaps don't have the same level of healthcare as we might expect um, in the city. So um, from a business point of view and a professional um, enjoyment point of view, I think rural practices are such a a great place to be. And what can you tell us about collaboration? Um, You know, this is a often not discussed and uh, when it is perhaps poorly discussed, um, this sort of collaboration that's needed, indeed it's vital, uh, collaborating with orthodox medical practitioners. We're very fearful of it because we're not included in the standard healthcare system. What can you tell us about how to collaborate and um, you know where we need to go for the future of naturopathy in Australia? Yeah, I think I, when dealing with this complex patient group and particularly with the um, integrative oncology patients, uh, I basically had two choices. Um, you know, pull my uh, big girl panties on and just collaborate and, and communicate, uh, maybe communicate more than collaborate in the beginning, uh, and or just, you know, try and keep to myself and, and be afraid. And so I just did it, you know, write a really good quality letter, get one of your practitioner friends to check it if you need, um, have a good framework to write your letter um, letter in. And it's one of the things that I um, work with with the practitioners that I've trained to try and make sure they have a great letter and just write what you're doing and keep it as short and succinct as possible and open those lines of communication. Um, I've only ever had one bad experience. I've had lots of positive experiences and sometimes I don't hear anything back, which makes me feel like I'll just go ahead with what I was thinking then. And this collaboration, I think, means that we can better 
address the complex crisis that's going on in healthcare. Um, you know, one-on-one, I can't see every patient and, you know, we need to be able to collaborate to help grow uh, what we can achieve together as an industry. There's a few rules there, um, and this was indicated to me by um, Dr. Joachim Fleurer, um, and it was mm. at, it was actually at a Lee's Alsler seminar series, and it was talking about how we correspond with GPs. And if you write this volume, this sort of saga, then they're just going to bin it. But if you write a very short, succinct letter, no more than a page, and if yeah. there's you know any attachments, then make them separate sort of thing, then they are actually beholden to include those in the patient notes, whether they listen to them or not. So as long as we can keep it clear and succinct, fine. Um, and, and avoid I, too avoid too much of our language that they don't understand. I think too, oh. you know, and I also emphasise that this is the patient's wishes. You know, yes. I will have always said to the patient, um, is it all right if I communicate with your oncologist, your GP? Um, and, and they say yes, because they've come to me because they're looking for integrative care. So we need to then, I think, express that that's the patient's wishes for this type of care um, and encourage the, the doctor to get on board with that. Yeah, and too often we sort of hide in the darkness and don't ask that question confidently of our patients. Do you mind if I communicate this to your um, oncologist or to your... GP, cardiologist, whatever, um, mm. because then there's always this sort of thing about, oh, I don't want to tell them that I'm taking vitamins. But if you take, if you say it confidently and say, you cool if I communicate this to your um, um, doctor, then there's this air of that it's been done before, that it's okay to do, that it's yeah. normal. Um, And we really need to get into that space so that we're actually talking to these people. Often doctors just want to know that what you're doing is safe. Exactly. And there's a sentence that I use that says that, you know, my utmost importance, particularly in oncology, is not to affect or cause any interactions with the treatment that they have prescribed um, and that my skill set is being able to determine what complementary medicines would be appropriate at this time for the patient. Um, And if you don't know whether it is or not, just don't do it and do some research and find out so you can confidently say, I'm not going to do anything to damage your treatment. Yeah, absolutely. for yourself and for the good of the patient too. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad you include that because too often fear makes us concentrate on us rather than what we're really here for or who we're really here for, which is the patient. And if we can mm. always keep them as the foremost focus to say, look, whatever we're doing, whatever you're doing, it's for them. It's for you know Mrs. Jones in front of me now. I, yeah. Can I just delve more, a little bit further into Vitae Mosaic? There's more to discuss here. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess it's a um, a system that I developed to suit Australian naturopaths and nutritionists. Um, I think we have really advanced uh, holistic knowledge and using um, our naturopathic language and tailoring our Australian style of practice, I combined what I learned at the Institute of Functional Medicine to what I'd been doing for, you know, 15, now 17, 18 years in practice um, so that I could have a tool for myself that could um, better analyse the case, um, help me better determine treatment strategies, um, so I could monitor the case better too because I find I can do a great initial consultation, but sometimes if you don't have the right notes or you haven't kept enough detail, they come back to you and you're like, where was I? And, you know, you don't want to waste that important time in the second consultation playing catch-up. So with the tool that I created, it means that we can have much more succinct follow-up and really have a graphical tool that we can show to the patient about what we're trying to achieve and and where we're going to go next. 
um, so they can buy into the idea that I might have to change something I don't want to change. You know, the patient who doesn't want to stop dairy. If we can explain along the course of the consultation really clearly how these kind of foods might be impacting them and, and almost lead them to the conclusion that, hey, maybe that dairy is not good for me, I find that we've taught them something already that means we need less supplements and they're more willing to make changes to their modifiable lifestyle factors, um, which I think is something we really need to focus on more than just the supplement. Too often we sort of fall into the quick, let's get something into them, rather than Mm. can I entice you? let's say. And I was speaking with Dr. Mark Donahue about this, about these mm. various patients that some people are just, they, they quick, help me, I need something now. I'm hurting, I'm in pain, I'm, I'm ill at ease. And there is a certain component, I guess, there of the, the, this horrible word called convenience. But then there are other people that are like, I've done this, I'm had it, I'm sick of it, I will do whatever you need me to do to take this away. Uh, mm. Right. But that first portion of patients where they're sort of in that mindset of convenience, quick help me, I'm used to pills and I need a natural pill, but I want one pill that does five different things. And we can't, we can't do that. Nutrition yeah. doesn't no. work that way. How do you break down those barriers? What are the, what are the skills? Yeah, I think also not only does our medicine not work as I'll give you one pill to solve your five problems, our cases, our um, consultations don't work that way. You know, a patient often believes, I think, that they're going to come for one appointment and all their problems are going to be solved in that one hour. And sometimes I don't think we're very good at communicating that, hey, I want to go on a journey with you and I'm going to ask you to make some changes and then we're going to assess what that does. And then we're going to have a follow-up to see if we're moving in the right direction. And I think we really need to be able to communicate that our style of medicine is a partnership where I will, you know, I may give you some symptomatic relief. If someone's in pain, I'm going to try and provide something that might be acute and might be symptomatic, but that's not the end of the work. That's just the start. It's like the tip of the iceberg and we've got to work out how we can show the patient all the stuff that's under the water in the iceberg. And, um, you know, getting them to buy into the story of how they got sick by using tools like the timeline and what I call the mosaic spectrum means that we can um, really have a, a visual uh, tool to help them understand or even, you know, you, you just would use language to say, I can see when you started to work in this new job that involved high stress, long hours, maybe shift work, you started to develop more immune system problems. And the answer is not just to give you an, a great immune system tonic, but perhaps we need to look at some of the lifestyle factors that went downhill when you took on this new role. But most patients won't have ever correlated their immune system issues to their work um, unless we have tools to be able to connect those those stories for the patient. Is that where you're leading with this mosaic spectrum that you mentioned? Yes. So it's looking at, you know, kind of 12... Um, loosely what I would call systems of the body, so nervous system, cardiometabolic, um, inflammation, immune system, microbiome, they're some of the areas that we're looking and trying to classify symptoms into those areas so we can really determine what um, system of the body we need to look at rather than just prescribing for all the different symptoms. Yeah, this this is something that I had to do a major jump with from my nursing training. Um, It was almost like Opening a textbook, you know how you'd read about the integumentary system, you'd read about the musculoskeletal system, you'd read about the cardiovascular system. You wouldn't say, 
supraventricular tachycardia, you wouldn't say psoriasis. You'd learn about these systems. Then you learned about the pathophysiology and the boxes, if you like, that present in them. One of my biggest mm. challenges was to say, how about we support that system's normal workings? That was yeah. the biggest thing. So here's my question for you. We talk about these sort of systems approach for rebalancing the body, getting it back to a vital force. How do you translate that into medical language? Good question. I think for my patients, I'm really trying to keep it simple because I feel like one of our biggest jobs is to teach the patient as a way of treating them so they can understand their health better. And I think sometimes if we become too medical with things, it confuses them even more and it mm. makes that complex seem even more complex. I guess when I'm trying to communicate with, with other healthcare professionals, I would be, you know, utilising the discussion about, okay, systems that I would be thinking might be affected would be the cardiometabolic system, the digestive system, microbiome, and I think that language still translates. Gotcha. It's one of the tools that we work on in the course that I do is at the start, we all as a group write down the kind of, um, I guess, the you know medical terminology diagnosis that overwhelms people. And some of the lists that we get, I think, gosh, that overwhelms me too. But when you actually have a system to break down those cases and you move away from that label and you see, like we were talking earlier, that there can be lots of causes for those um, conditions. Yeah. And we can usually address a lot of those causes or we can refer. I'm a big fan of referring. If it's not my area and you don't know enough and you don't want to go and read all those papers, refer to someone that does. Mm. And I guess this is another area of collaboration. You know, we need to um, somehow formalize the idea of who does know the most about cardiometabolic, who does know the most about fertility in your area or someone you can refer to. So if you feel like those causes of that patient's health problem, when we break down what seems overwhelming and it becomes a bit more simple when we break it down, you know, if it's not your area, who are you going to refer to? Or otherwise, what are you going to do? once it's simplified, moving away from those kind of overwhelming diagnosis that we initially fear. Do you ever collaborate with these practitioners that you refer to in improving your education, your expertise? So you basically maybe sit in with them or, or ask them for further advice? Uh, yeah, look, I've got a lot of uh, practice. Uh, I feel really proud of our industry at the moment and I think um, that there is a lot of practice that I admire and certainly, um, you know, behind the scenes, I'm involved in lots of um, kind of mastermind groups where we will, you know, chat uh, about complex cases. I love uh, a practitioner called Jules Galloway. Oh, you know Jules. Yes, I, think I know Jules. Her. Yes. So, you know, Jules and I have a bit of a chat. We have a laugh. You know, we also have a, um, a, a bit of an opportunity to debrief as well because I think when we have these complex cases, uh, a lot can come up. You know, in oncology, uh, inevitably, you're going to have patients that pass away. And so, you know, not only do I talk to patients like our uh, practitioners like Jules and Charmaine Dennis at Fertile Ground um, about these kind of um, cases and getting more ideas, I, I certainly use them to, to support me when I have these patients that are perhaps emotionally upsetting as well. You mentioned earlier about keeping supplements to a maximum of three, and, and mm. I think it's a big issue with regards to cost and the future of naturopathic healthcare in Australia. What would you say are your sort of rules to live by, and what do you think the future holds for naturopathic medicine? Uh, yeah, I think 
we have to really be conscious of the cost of our treatments. You know, we have done uh, years of study. I think naturopaths have to be one of the professions. I guess medicine as a whole is um, an industry where ongoing um, professional education is so important. So, you know, we need to be reimbursed for the time and effort we put into these cases. But I think our supplements are integral to treatment of patients, but um, sending them home with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars of tablets doesn't make our type of medicine affordable long-term, especially in patient groups where their health may have affected their ability to continue the, the work or, you know, other financial areas of their lives. And so looking at what we can do um, to, to streamline those prescriptions is important um, from a, a community health perspective, I think. Wholeheartedly agree with you. It's one of the, the sad things about these complex conditions. For instance, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome, for instance, these are the people that cannot work and yet they're the people that are most desperate for the more comprehensive, shall we say, um, yeah. naturopathic regimens or, or regimes. Yeah, and I think often we have to really break down what we're going to do to make it affordable for them. Yeah, that's right. So prioritising. Um, can you give us a few quick tips on how you prioritise? Do you do you look at things like base energy or sleep or things like that first? Yeah, so I always look at the six um, modifiable lifestyle factors first. So these are things that usually don't um, cost money and I have um, a plethora of um, handouts that um, is known amongst my Vita Mosaic graduates as the Dropbox. Uh, which has <laughs> hundreds of handouts that I've um, collected and developed over time that you can use. They don't cost any money. You know, print them out in your practice and give them to to help patients with diet, nutrition, exercise, movement, rest and relaxation, um, sleep. I'm also a big uh, fan of um, encouraging our patients to have some area of personal development in, the, in their life and also social connection, social spiritual connection. I think these areas are important to encourage patients who are chronically ill, like the um, chronic fatigue, patient to see a direction that they're trying to get to. You know, if you're hopeless um, and having been sick for a long time, people can become isolated. Netflix can become their best friend. You mm, know, if mm. we can teach them ways in which we can kind of feel hope and develop, um, then we can see a direction. And then as far as working out what I'm going to prescribe once I've made those modifiable lifestyle factor um, fine-tuning ideas happen for a patient is, um, you know, what are the key symptoms um, that the patient wants to work with? Because often um, I've been spoiled by patients and I'm diving in and I'm looking what I'm going to do for their case and, you know, they've got all these diagnoses and then I find out they just want to lose uh, some weight because they want to look lovely in a dress for a wedding. So understanding what yeah. their goals are yeah. and then um, looking at the systems that are affected rather than just the symptoms and work out, okay, um, I do it graphically, but what three um, systems are the key that need to be worked on and what kind of nutrients or herbs do I know really help restore function in that system so that we can then see improvements in all the different symptoms that fall in that system rather than prescribing initially for each of those symptoms. I, I just love what I'm hearing. One thing that I've never really heard before and I love it is what you said about you you encourage them to have an area of personal development. This is, mm. And it's critical, like like waking somebody up from, as you say, Netflix being their best friend. It can be those small things that yeah. make such a big difference. 
one patient I had, she had chronic fatigue syndrome and, you know, that young, 23 maybe. So it really affected her uni qualifications, her friendship groups. You know, if you have chronic fatigue, you know, you probably lost a lot of your social circle. And, I, you know, she's back home with her mum and, yeah, she's watching Netflix all day. And we had a, a chat about, you know, what were you passionate about before you were sick? And she said, oh, you know, I, I was really passionate about a range of organic baby children's um, and children's clothes that I'd made. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. Wow. And I said, well, what what part were you up to? And she's like, oh, well, I need to create a website platform to, to sell these on. And I said, well, have you been doing any work on it? And she's like, no, I'm too sick. I said, have you got a laptop? And she's like, yeah. I was like, bring it to the couch. And each day, can you just do five minutes on that website? You know, I, I literally put this on the prescription pad, yeah, five yeah. minutes on your website. Yeah. And I said, if you feel better, do five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the in the afternoon. And it was a couple of consultations afterwards and I was in our beautiful dispensary and I'm there mixing her herbs after the consultation and she comes around the counter and she has her iPad and she shows her iPad to me and on it is the baby website oh, wow. that she's created. The whole website, and I, I often get emotional with my patients and, and hold it together, of course, but yeah, I, yeah. it was one of those moments where I was like, you know, this girl is getting better because of the treatment we've given her, but I honestly think she's getting better because she can see a purpose and a direction. And it also, you know, the web is a wonderful place for her to extend um, her social connection. She's going to get um, feedback on, on her products and all of that builds her health, I believe, away from where she was when she was on the couch watching Netflix. I've got to say, Carla, like there's so much more that we can learn. Where can we learn more about helping patients with complex chronic diseases, these invisible illnesses that you mentioned before? Well, there's this really good podcast I know called FX Medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but so it's it's I through experts you like yourself where we learn. Yeah, well, look, I know that you've, like, you've had James Maskell. I love James Maskell. You've had um, Lisa on here, Amy Meyer. So listen to listen to you guys. Um, and then I also really admire um, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. I don't know if you know him out of the UK, phenomenal um, functional medicine doctor. Um, you know, Jeffrey Bland, yep. um, Sarah Gottfried, you know, all of these people pop on their website, join their mail list, see some of their information. And I, I think, um, you know, we need to do this together. So pop on my website um, and get in contact because I think there's lots of, you know, if you're interested in women's health, then I would say, you know, learn more about Cara Fitzgerald or Aviva Rom. You know, these are practitioners that specialise in that area. So, you know, I'm open to the communication to point practice in the right direction if they have a particular specialty. And then, you know, of course, um, you know, I wanted to continue to collaborate with the practitioners through my course um, because I think together as a unit, you know, we've strengthened what we're doing um, rather than just being in practice, doing that one-on-one -on -one consultation. You know, if I truly believe that I want to change this complex health um, crisis or chronic disease crisis in Australia, I can't do it by myself and we can't do it by ourselves at the dispensary. So the more we can group together and have systems around how to help these patients, the more success I think we have, um, you know, at changing um, what's going to happen for patients who are perhaps some of the sickest in our communities. Where, you know, can, where can we find more about your course? What is it? Is it colorn.com? Yes, that's it, colorn.com. And, and yeah, I think, 
you know, it, it is a uh, an area that I think with the, you mentioned that the practitioners that um, have busy practices already or maybe have lots of confidence, I think it's an area, if we have a system, they can begin to employ um, or, um, you know, recruit the services of other practitioners to be able to understand the system and also follow through. You know, one of the things that I think is a great idea when you become busy as a practitioner is I'm not great at the recipes for my patients. You know, when a patient goes gluten-free, um, I find it really hard to be able to clearly explain to them what changes they need to make in their kitchen. You know, I'm not a great cook. So if I have a nutritionist and I happen to have a naturopath who's a chef, yeah. um, a previous life chef at, at my uh, clinic, you know, I'm going to send my patients with the understanding of this is the kind of dietary advice I need to her to be able to, you know, co-manage my patients. So I think it's another concept that we can look at if we have a good system that can be used across multidisciplinary clinics. Carla Wren, thank you so much for joining us on FX Medicine today. You've, you've opened our eyes, I, I think, to some really key things for naturopathic care, especially, obviously, in these complex cases. But I've got to take my hat off to you. What, you, what you've presented is something that you're maximising bang for buck for the patient. And that's talking about personalised, responsible patient health care. But we're not talking about now, we're talking about also where the future of naturopathic medicine lies with health and care of these patients in Australia. Thank you. Thank you. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. The age of personalised medicine has arrived. Be sure to check out our new FX Medicine podcast series, FX Omics with Dr. Mark Donoghue. Explore the genomic landscape and the clinical opportunities enabling you to offer truly personalised healthcare.